I am going to reference Monty Python. No, no, The Princess Bride in, in this. You also reference Monty Python. I looked at your notes. Yeah, what was the Monty Python reference again? The, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead. I'm feeling better. <laughs> I think I'm going to go for a walk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they should be familiar with both The Princess Bride in Monty Python. And the Bible. Well, we'll tell them about the Bible. Maybe that's the teaser. What do Monty Python, the Princess Bride, and the Bible have in common? Well, just wait and you'll find out. We're not going to teach them about Monty Python or the Princess Bride, but we will teach them about the Bible. Yeah. So they're going to have to come with that prerequisite. Otherwise, yeah. the show won't make any sense. Warning, prior knowledge of, of these movies is required to understand our podcast. It is the key to unlocking the mystery of the Bible. <laughs> this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. listening to footnotes this is rusty and justin today we're continuing our passage in first john first john 1 5 says this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that's a lot of pronouns rusty it is and and we saw last week he uses a lot of personal pronouns to um to drive home the fact that he was an eyewitness and that this is a testimony that he has seen and heard and um, and felt from Jesus himself. Yeah, do you want to do you want to explain who the we, the him and the you are? Well, I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> so verse 5, this is a message we oh, have right, heard right, from right. him and proclaimed to you. Okay, right. I'm just thinking if if someone listens to this and they have no idea what first John 1, 1 through 4 say, maybe you can enlighten them. Oh, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, you, you take it out of context. I'm like, we, him, you. I just, I'm frightened right now and, and uncertain as to what I do next. Okay, so we... And to everyone, and to everyone listening, I even told Rusty what he should say after I finished that sentence, and he still did it wrong. Okay, all right. Practice makes perfect. Here we go. Um, so yeah, uh, the we that he's talking about is, um, yeah, John is an apostle. He's one of um, the original disciples that walked with and taught with and lived with Jesus. And so... Um, he has a very special place of authority and representation for the gospel message, um, and he references this when he writes. And so John, being an apostle, um, references him being Jesus, the him that he walked with, talked with, and heard all this truth from for uh, probably about three or three years or so. And um, so he is the we, Paul, John, and uh, the, the disciples, the apostles are the we, him being Jesus, and that they proclaim this message they got from Jesus to us. And I think it is important to talk about that he's he's talking to Christians, people that are in the faith already. These letters would be written to churches, um, and they would read them to to the churches as they got there in, in a gathering. And so 
the you would be people proclaiming Christ, or at least in the realm of participating <laughs> in in uh, in church in that day. Yeah, so this is the message, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Yeah. So this is, the question is, so this is the message we heard from Jesus, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Where did they hear this? My guess, John 8, 12, right? John 8, 12 says, um, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, and I, I found another verse as well in John uh, where he talks about these light and dark themes. Um, John twelve forty six says, uh, Jesus says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. And so we see this light and dark theme kind of all throughout John's writings, and it's definitely prevalent here in First John. The distinction of light and darkness, maybe we lose a bit because we have artificial light. We don't we don't have the same kind of tie to light and darkness as they did because we have kind of control over it, right, through our technology. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to like a third world country uh, in the middle of the night? No. Oh, yeah. Not that you have to go in the middle of the night, or but you just have to be there during the middle of the night. We went to Ghana and it is pitch black. I mean, there aren't street lights. There are just roads. And if you don't have headlights or a flashlight, it's super dark, man. Um, and so I think they would, they would probably get this. This would be a great contextual example of just what a blessing light is. Um, so what do you think that means? God is light because that, that could be taken a couple of different ways. Yeah. And it's also very abstract, isn't it? So yeah. God, God isn't, you turn on a flashlight and it isn't, Hey, there's God because God is light. So it's got to mean something deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I read this guy named Charles Ellicott's commentary. He was an old guy. His Wikipedia article mm-hmm. has this really creepy looking, you know, those like pencil sketch of him. Yeah. It looks like a old hermit. So, um, so you know, he's got to be a good theologian. He's got, he didn't it, have anything else going for him. If he's that old. <laughs> no. So he, he brought up good things that really helped me put my teeth into what it means that God is light. So he broke it up into saying God is light in the sense of glory. And this is unique to God. Because only God is the source of all glory. Uh, glory radiates from him. I think of 1 Timothy 6, 15 to 16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be all the honor and the eternal dominion. Amen. Yeah, and also uh, in Psalm 104, verse 2, it says, The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment, which those are really interesting illustrations. Unapproachable light dwells in unapproachable light and wraps himself in light. Another sense is physical. You shared those stories of being in utter darkness Mm -hmm. and then the sun bursting forth. That was really what God did when he spoke, let there be light. Um, Intellectual. God is the source of all truth and reason. And I think that this really strikes home for me um, as the more I learn about the Bible, the more this world seems to make sense to me. And not only do we have the biblical light like that provides truth and reason, but the way we think, the way we reason, intellectual arguments or in chains of thought, one thing leading to another, like all these, you know, philosophy 101 things, 
like God is the source of them because he is the, you know, he is truth with a capital T, right? He is the light in this sense as well. Mm -hmm. The last sense is moral. God's the standard for all holiness and all perfection. To say God is light makes some sense, you know, but when you really hang your hat on the glory of God, God is the source of all physical light. God is the source of all truth and reason. And God is the standard for holiness and perfection. As we go on, we'll see when John is explaining, you know, walk in the light. And if you do not walk in the light, you do not pray. We're going to see that John really makes reference to these things or when we view them in reference to these things, it's going to make a lot of sense. That totally connects with me. And then on a moral level, if he's willing to die for me in my place, I'm not better than him. I can't think of anybody that's better than him um, who's willing to die in our place um, and absorb all of our punishment. <laughs> you know, And so um, not only does he have the intellectual and moral representation here, but that's just really consistent with how we see Christ Jesus just live out his life. Is there a school bus behind you? Uh, it's a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> dump truck. It's very loud. Hey, can he sanitation, baby? Ugh. Okay, verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, when, when I first hear this line, uh, the princess bride pops into my mind. And all I can hear is some old woman going, Liar! 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 Right? I, just, I, I think it's just the word lie. Like, we lie. It, it just, it's kind of a, a, a draw a line in the sand kind of word, you know? Um, and it immediately pushes me to this place of uh, harshness. Do, do you get that at all, or is that just me? So, I'm still, I'm trying to place that scene in my mind. Is that the one there, when uh, Wesley is, is it Wesley? And he's dead and... Is that one of them? Yeah, they're, they're the in witch Billy doctor. Crystal. Yeah, they're in there yeah, with the that's witch right. doctor. And then I don't know if he's dead yet or almost dead or d dying. But yeah, they bring him to him. And it's the old, it's Billy Crystal's wife. <laughs> and I can't remember what causes her to say it, but she just, she just busts out with it. I think it's that true love or something. It always has to do with true love, doesn't yeah, love, it? Love, true love. True love. Okay, you lie. So you're right that it just really just comes out. It's very blunt. He doesn't cut corners. Mm -mm. He just says, you lie and do not practice the truth. Right. Right. And so, I, but then as, as I thought more about this, um, you, you look at it through the practical lenses of physical, intellectual, and moral. And so I'll talk a little bit about the physical. If someone were wandering around in a pitch black space, like we were talking about before, but was saying out loud, I'm walking in the light, <laughs> I'm... I'm in the light. I mean, it's just not possible. It's just, it's a, it's an, those two things can't coincide. They would be lying, right? And so part of me just reads this as just kind of an intellectual truth that he's trying to be very straightforward about. Yeah. So when we talked about uh, the intellectual peg that God is light, mm -hmm. uh, this is, if you say you have fellowship with him, we'll walk in darkness, you're, you're really violating that peg you know it's right. willful ignorance it's either childish thinking or you're basically living lies right you know the truth or you're choosing not to know it and you're just walking in darkness yeah like it, it wouldn't make sense to say hey i love jesus you know i selflessly love jesus and love people and then turn around uh while you're while you're continually manipulating lying and hurting people for your own self-centered agenda, you know, like that, that would just be complete hypocrisy. And I think anybody um, can recognize that. 
the point of the verse is that he's saying you're lying and you're not practicing the truth because you are both saying you have fellowship with God and you are walking in darkness. So both of these things you're conscious of. Mm-hmm. You know, this verse isn't applying to an unregenerate person who is just blind and doesn't know that he's in the dark. Right. And he's also not saying he has fellowship with God because he maybe doesn't even believe there's a God. Mm-hmm. So John's not saying that guy's a liar. Right. The lie is when as a Christian, if you walk in darkness and have say you have fellowship. Yes, that's true. I get that. That knowing the truth and then uh, choosing to walk in darkness is the lie. Verse 7. Verse 7, but it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so we've kind of established that the actual physical representation of this light doesn't apply. I think the, the physical metaphor helps to shine light on how we morally and intellectually can walk in the light. Um, we morally walk in the light by trying to live morally how Jesus calls us to live, and intellectually according to his truth, what he says is wise and not foolish. So this verse ties in with verse 6 because verse 6 says, if you say you have fellowship with him while you walk in darkness, you lie. Mm -hmm. Verse 7 says, but when we walk in the light as opposed to walking in darkness, as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So he's contrasting, instead of being a liar, you have fellowship with one another. Morally, Sin divides us, right? And destroys relationships. Mm -hmm. So when we're walking in darkness, lying, not practicing the truth, we can't have fellowship with God and we can't have fellowship with other people because that's the nature of sin. It's divisive. It destroys relationships. You can't spell sin without I. That's true. I have that in (laughs) I see that. Um, Yeah, I love that point because that's true. When you think about all the things that Jesus is actually asking you not to do, it's those are the things that do destroy us on a moral level, on a relational level. Um, the, our moral code is kind of what helps binds us, bind us together as, as humans and as people. And so, um, so yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty clear to see that why he would, he would kind of pitch those two ideas against each other, lying and then fellowship with one another. It doesn't require you to be perfect. Right. The standard, the fact that God's standard is holiness and perfection doesn't mean you have to be holy and perfect to have fellowship with one another because the second half of verse seven says, in the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. So walking in the light is not living perfectly, but it's stepping into the light, intellectually acknowledging that you have sin, that you've broken God's moral code. And then the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you. And through the blood of Jesus, do we have the forgiveness and the grace to have fellowship with one another? When I read verse 6, I read it as walking in darkness. It's a choice, right? You can either choose to walk in the darkness or choose to walk in the light. And so if we're going to carry that over to the the moral lens that we've been looking at this through, um, I think when he's talking about walking in darkness, he's talking about pursuing things that you know Jesus doesn't want you to pursue. Uh, getting drunk all the time, murdering people, lying, hurting people, you know, those kind of things that, that are intentional and purposeful and you're doing them knowing you shouldn't do them, but just for one reason or another, you choose to do those things. I, I don't, don't think immediately in verse six that he's talking about circumstantial sin where you find yourself all of a sudden in a circumstance and you make a bad choice and you mess up. Uh, cause then that, I think that's why he puts in verse seven, 
the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all of our sin, right? And so, um, I think choosing to walk in light is the, is the choice we make, um, rather than people purposely, intentionally pursuing a sinful life, which would be walking in the darkness. So verse eight and nine together say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in you. So that encapsulates both the moral and the intellectual darkness at the same time by saying, I don't have sin. Because right. you do. You know you do, so you're lying. Mm-hmm. It's not the truth. Intellectual darkness. And you're a sinner, so that's moral darkness. I like the fact that John writes in a circular fashion, because then he pulls back in some of these ideas that he's mentioned earlier. And I think it's pretty neat that as part of walking in the light, walking in the light of Jesus, um, it involves us admitting that there's darkness in us, that we need him, um, that we need him who is light, to illuminate or extinguish the darkness from us. Um, because darkness can't just remain in the light. Darkness is the absence of light. And so that when we walk in, in the light, then the darkness gets extinguished from us. But that involves us admitting that we do have sin, that we have darkness that needs to be extinguished. Um, which kind of brings us to the whole repentance process. Uh, and the repentance process John gets to in verse nine, where he says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. This is where it explains how if one is in darkness, he can walk in the light if we confess our sins, because then he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from unrighteousness, to cleanse us from moral darkness. And it's that process of stepping into the light that allows us to have fellowship with God. But stepping into the light doesn't mean stopping sinning. It means confessing your sin and allowing the blood of Jesus to forgive you. Yeah, not walking perfectly in the light. I think walking in the light involves what you just said, the repentance, the continual turning from uh, darkness to the light. Uh, and that, gosh, man, that I was thinking about what a blessing it is that God doesn't shine the entire light on us all at once, right? I mean, that the continual process is actually a blessing. If he showed us all the ways we needed to change during our lifetime, at one time, I think I would just give up. <laughs> I'd just be like, "Yeah, I'm not worth it. Give up on me." I just I wave my white flag, you know, throw in the towel, um, throw my hands in the air, be all done. In my life, when I look back at who I was last year or two years ago, I feel like, man, how was that person even? How could that person even call themselves a believer? You know, how could that person think that they were walking in light at all? And it's, it's just what you said. It's God's grace to us to, to slowly work the process of sanctification in our lives. Because if it was just like, okay, new believer, you were at a zero. This is everything you need to do to become, you know, like Jesus. Just wouldn't work that way. You go, yeah. oh no, that's too much. You go back to the first, uh, verse five where it says, uh, or verse six. Or it says, if someone um, says they are without sin, then they are a liar. Actually, I think that was maybe verse uh, verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, uh, we deceive ourselves. Other versions of the Bible say they we are liars or we're lying to ourselves. And 
That would be like someone walking around in a pitch black darkness saying, I, I don't need, I don't need a light. I don't need a light. Oh, don't stub my toe. Right. I mean, they, they would just be liars in saying that they don't need it, that they, there isn't a need for light to be, um, brought forth in their life to extinguish the darkness. And so, so that, I think that's where the lying component comes in, that people who say they have no sin, it's, they don't even recognize that they need the light, but it's so clear uh, from those of us in the light how badly they need it. That's what confessing is. It's a, a humble acceptance of the fact that you can't deal with your sin on your own. You need to confess it so that Jesus can forgive you and cleanse you of unrighteousness. So this has been a, a huge verse in my life of just uh, keeping me dependent on confession, which actually keeps me dependent on God. John is writing in a circular fashion. Mm-hmm. The way that our passage ends in verse 10, ends on a down note. Yeah. <laughs> if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Well, I mean, I think that's what it, it ultimately is saying. And if we say we haven't sinned, then we're saying we don't need Jesus, which um, that can directly contradicts why Jesus came into the world because of our desperate need for him. Um, and it means that I think it's, Again, you can go back to that liar thing being like, liar, liar. I mean, or it could just be like, you don't recognize your desperate need for Jesus. Um, and so he's saying, the word isn't in you. You don't quite get it. I mean, I, we could take this as an ele- in a less offensive, more uh, factual statement kind of way of, if you think you haven't sinned, then you think you don't need Jesus. And then you don't, the word isn't in you. You don't, you don't quite get it yet. Because that, that's, it's kind of one of the foundational things of becoming yeah, a Yeah, in particular, though, so John was writing to believers, which is saying, you as a believer, if you don't think you've sinned, then he's a liar because he says you're a sinner, and by becoming a believer, I'm cleansing you from your sin. So if, you, if you're saying, I'm a believer, but I, I've never sinned, or I don't have sin anymore, mm-hmm. then, then you're making God a liar, and his word's not in you. And so you need to really examine that. Um, Maybe you are in darkness. Right. Which is actually a great blessing that someone would be willing to speak s- such truth, even though for somebody like in the Southeast, gosh, I grew up in the church all my life. So if someone were to, were to come to me like people did actually and remotely hint at the fact that I might not be a Christian, it would be offensive to me. Like what? I've been in church all my life. I've gone and actually I didn't get it. I, I didn't, I thought I was a pretty good person and I didn't realize how much I needed Jesus. So this verse would have been squarely directed at me. Yeah, that John, he was, he was blessing. Sometimes a harsh blessing because a harsh blessing. Right. Sometimes that's the hardest, hardest point to take, you know? Um, yeah. It's good to know that you're dead. You're like, I'm not dead yet. I'm feeling better. There's the Monty Python reference. I think I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> 